0: Hi everybody, welcome back to uh another episode of Eric's Mediocre Adventures. Uh Today we're doing another, I suppose, catch-up of The Mandalorian and his dark materials. As uh Matthew decided that he had to go and do work, like a, like a working person, uh, and he works at, like, a camp or something, so he's gone for two or three weeks or whatever, and then he comes back, and bleh, and we didn't get to finish recording, uh, the second half of the other, uh, you know, Batman thing, so, and I didn't want to miss, miss a week with nothing, and I had been watching The Mandalorian, and I had been watching, um, his Dark Materials, as I had discussed in a previous episode, where I think I discussed the first two episodes of one, and then the first three of the other, and then since then we've gotten two more episodes of His Dark Materials, and three more of The Mandalorian, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, this is going to be uh, spoilers, I guess, galore, so... I could try to be subtle about it, but I'm not going I'm not going to. Um, because the things I actually want to talk about in these are the are the spoilers. The good old spoilers. But yeah, I'll start, I guess, with some news first. Um There's mostly just random things I heard through the grapevines of the various things I look at. So it's not news from me. It's just news that I'm sharing because I find it interesting, which is you know obviously, but just wanted wanted to say, uh, I saw an article, apparently that the U.S. found out that China is trying to create super soldiers. You know that's pretty cool. Um, get some get some Captain Chinas out here. Uh, I don't really know what a real life super soldier would entail, but they've got they've got my attention. Uh, we also had a bunch of casting news for Spider-Man 3, so the third film following Homecoming and Far From Home. Um, I think most of them are rumors, but the ones confirmed, are that Alfred Molina is confirmed to return as uh, Dr. Octopus. Uh, Jamie Foxx is pretty much all but confirmed to return as Electro. Uh, and then the rumors are that they've gotten Emma Stone uh, I can never remember her name, Mary Jane Watson, um, uh, anyway, uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and, uh, Kirsten Dunst, that's her name, Kirsten Dunst, uh, are all coming back, um, I'm of mixed minds about this, um, while well, I am quite excited to see a uh, kind of multiverse Spider-Man like a live action Spider-Verse movie Um, it feels like not only is it too early to be doing this, is there's still a storyline to be following uh, like of Peter's on his own in in the MCU, Uh, but also my concern now is that this movie will go the same way of Spider-Man 3, the previous one, where it'll be too like too loaded with characters that you can't really follow anyone like all there's just too many characters that every character storyline gets hurt a little bit because I think like Spider-Man 3 Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 is fine especially for the the first half the first half is very it's very good like it's on par with the first two and then it just falls apart because they start throwing everything in there because you get Venom you get Sandman you got um what's his nuts um the new Green Goblin whatever they called him, uh, Harry and then you had also all of Peter's personal troubles and then the new guy killing Uncle Ben and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was too much and it seems like now they're doing too much here because I'm assuming if they're announcing the casting, they're in it for more than just cameos if they are not in it for more than just cameos if it's just little cameos, he goes across the multiverse and they're only there for a little bit I wish they would have kept it secret. And I know it's hard to keep things secret nowadays, because, you know, people are on set, they get pictures, they send the pictures out, yada yada. But Marvel has generally done a very good job of keeping most things secret. Like, they, they have things on lockdown. Usually when there's, like, secrets coming out uh, on sets. Hi. when it's, it's usually from DC, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. So, I think, like, Marvel and especially Disney kinda of has it on rap, so I I don't think it would have been a huge concern for them to not have announced that. But anyways, um I'll watch them. Like I, I, I like Homecoming. Um, I liked Far From Home less, uh, but it's still fine. So I'll I'll go see this one too and and hope for the best. In the other news, uh Cyberpunk twenty seven seven is finally coming out, I think, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and uh, the reviews for it have been good to mixed. Um, apparently, there's a lot of early bugs, and I'm assuming that's adapt like hitting people's uh, thing. and uh, yeah, so that's it's gonna be interesting. i I was someone who like I, I, the game seems fun and exciting and all that, but I was never like super into getting it so I was always like I will wait for the reviews I'll wait and see what people are saying once it comes out and then if it's good I will get it because I don't want like another No Man's Sky or Anthem situation so uh, yeah and this kind of cements it so I'll wait um, probably till after Christmas see if they patch it see if it gets improved uh, see if the stories that I've heard about the campaign being really really short are true and then, uh, I'll go from there and decide if I actually want to get it or not, uh, which I know some other people are probably going to do as well. In other news, there is not really any other news. Uh, not that I am aware of. Uh, well, I guess big news is that, uh, a lot of directors are mad because Warner Brothers has decided to release their entire, like, movie slate for 2021, um... Like it, when in, uh, both in theaters and then on HBO Max the same day, uh, I can understand where they are upset. That's a lot of their profit that's going to go. They spend a long time working on these movies, and then they're they probably have in their deals like, like uh, getting a cut of the theater profits, in which they're now likely not going to get. But I, what I don't understand is why like I feel like there's a, there's an easy solution to all of this and it's not to release them on streaming it's to release them for rent so that you don't like you don't own them like f- like Wonder Woman for example Wonder Woman's coming out on Christmas Day uh on HBO Max don't put it on HBO Max put it up on YouTube like in the, where you buy the rent their movies or in I don't know any other movie renting systems uh Prime you can rent movies uh Whatever, Xbox, all that stuff. Where you can rent it, and you get to you get access to it for 24 hours, and then it's gone. Or like you can play it through, like you get two full playthroughs of the movie or something, and you you pay 99 or whatever, much, your 20 dollars or 15 dollars, whatever, for new movies. Because then you're getting essentially the price of the ticket. The people don't have permanent access to it which makes it more difficult to spread it online. Because, you know, as soon as these movies come out on HBO Max, they're going to be up on on torrent sites and up on the streaming sites, and people are going to watch it. And if you can only rent it, would that still happen? Probably yes. Uh, But it would be harder, and it would be less likely to happen, I think. And so that's where you get your profits until the theaters are back um, in full swing, which they might never be. And then it's not... You're not giving people full access to it on these streaming sites because I think that's, I don't I don't really get that part of it. Like I I get them wanting to get the movies out and try to recoup some of the profit because in in their business in their minds they probably don't know when things are gonna be back. And right now this is just money that's sitting nowhere. But and yeah they're gonna get they're gonna get like a an influx of subscribers to HBO Max when these things start dropping. True, but. Uh, I think it's gonna. It's not going to be what they're looking for. Anyway, that's my take on that. Um, the only ones I kind of get is, like, the Dune, uh, the Dune guy. The director of Dune was talk. like you said, he's disappointed because he made a film that's intended to be seen in, like, a theater in, like, the IMAX kind of setting, and most people have subpar home theater setups, myself included. Um, I just have a TV on basic settings so like it's a a bit of that like his intent's gonna be lost which you like you know fair enough but it is what it is we're in weird times and we're we're proceeding as best we can so i guess I'll, I'll, i'll kind of start with his dark material so the last time i spoke about it we talked about the first two episodes and in the first two episodes they were rushing and and i and i knew they were rushing um and I thought maybe that kind of rushing would slow down, and it kind of did in a way, because I think if I'm right, there's—I don't remember if it's an eight-episode season or a ten-episode season. Um, let me Google that. So it's okay. So it's a seven—it's a seven-episode season. So yeah, then then they've kind of slowed it down because. Um, the next three episodes have to do with starting to get everything into place for the end of the second book. So, uh, at the end of the second episode, Lyra goes to, uh, meet Mary Malone. Oh, my brain's not working. <laughs> she goes to meet Mary Malone, who's a doctor, and they talk about, uh, dark matter and stuff. And, um, will Goes to see his grandparents, who I thought were fake, but are actually real. His fake real grandparents. Anywho, um, the third episode kind of picks up with the witches after their like home gets bombed, which is again is something new. Uh, that's not really something that they did in the uh, in the book. And then we get to see Lee finally meet up with. Does he meet up with him in this one? No, he doesn't. I'm wrong. Uh, in this episode, he gets arrested for accidentally killing a guy. And then he has a talk with Mrs. Coulter. It's a really good acted scene between Lynn manuel Miranda and... Uh, I know her name's Ruth, but I can never remember her first name. Or her last name. Ruth Wilson. And pretty much... We get to see a lot more Mrs. Coulter because like I said in, in the book, she's more of like, in the, especially in the second one, she's more of like an absent, kind of haunting, threatening figure. And in the show, she is much more, uh, sympathetic because they're trying to like, they're showing how much she's going through to keep her daughter safe, uh, which is something like, is are spoilers, is something you only really find out about in the third book, uh, that she's kind of like acting behind the scenes to keep her safe. Um, And they're more overtly showing it here. So she, like, releases Lee from jail uh, and sends him to go find Lyra just in case she can't find her first. Uh, And then uh, the only other stuff that really happens in this episode is that uh, Lyra gets caught by, like, police, who I'm assuming the police are working with... um, They're working with what's nuts, <laughs> uh, Lord Boreal, because um, she accidentally gives up Will, uh, and she runs away. And Lord Boreal sets up this thing to like help her, and he steals the alethiometer from her, and he tells uh, Lyra and Will that he will give the alethiometer back if they go to the Tower of Angels in Jigadti, which is a big tower that you always see, and we're kind of introduced to in this one from. Uh, Ella Ramsey's character, whose name I'm forgetting. It's been, it's been like three weeks since I watched this episode, so forgive me. Um, but yeah, so they, they have to go steal the knife, the subtle knife, which is obviously the, the title of the second book. And the fourth episode opens with a, with an explanation of what the subtle knife is. So the subtle knife was a knife made by, um... The guys who worked in the who worked in like this tower. I don't remember if they were physicists or, or whatever. But they made a knife that had the uh, capabilities of cutting through anything and anything, literally anything. Uh, as one side of it could cut through any material, and the other side of it could cut through uh, the fabric between worlds, opening gateways between worlds. Which is the one that um, the one that's in the Wills, Oxford is is one made by the knife and uh they had a responsibility when they made this to kind of use it right and they essentially decided not to uh they used it selfishly and then the narrator who's explaining like the history of the knife tells us that this uh misuse is what created specters and specters are the thing i don't know if i talked about them much but the specters are the thing that took all the adults out of Chitigatse because they ran away from them. Uh, Specters will... Essentially, they're like dementors. Uh, they feed on, like, the souls of adults. Uh, they're not interested in children's souls for some reason. They once, But once they mature, they'll come and get them. Uh, so the knife... essentially created them, and it's also the only thing that's protecting them from the Specters, so... The knife's a pretty big deal for multiple reasons. Uh, we then we hop over to Lee, who finally finds Stanislaus Grumman or uh, Joe Perry as they call him, J-Parry, Uh which is a fun shortening of the name John Perry because the people that found uh, John Perry when he came to Elira's world could not say John Perry, so they called him J-Parry. Uh John Perry is obviously Will's father as we have discussed previously. And if you've watched the first season, you will know. Uh, we learned that Lee thought that he he was going to find uh, John because he heard about the knife and wanted to help, uh, get it to help Lyra. But we ultimately learned that, that John used magic that he learned as a shaman to summon Lee there using his mother's ring. Uh, and we learned that he came to this world and then he got stuck like he, he could find other windows and stuff But he could never find one to get him back to his own world. So he kind of just He kind of just gave up and uh, Not gave up but he 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 just kind of settled himself in always looking for a way out, but just like Letting this place be his life now and we see that he had been there long enough to uh, be able to see his demon which is a, a bird. It's a cool bird. Uh, which they don't make a big deal about it. Uh, I wish they they would have. They would have uh, kind of gone into it more. But they're, they're essentially saying that everyone has demons. Um, even the people in the other worlds. They just can't see them. And, and so like with enough time and, and effort. You can see them. And, you'll, and like, they'll be in the, in the exterior part of you. Uh, which is, like, it's it's something that, that comes up in a big way later uh, in, in other books, so I wish they would have kind of put more attention to it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so most of the episode, though, is about Will and Lyra, who go to get the knife. Um, so they find their way into the tower, where they find uh, an old man who's tied up. Uh, his name is Giacomo Paradisi and he's the bearer of the knife uh, and we learned that he had been taken captive by um, Ramsey Bella's character's uh, older brother, uh, Paolo no, not Paolo is it Paolo? Yeah, it's Paolo anyway <laughs> uh, Paolo comes up and sees them trying to free him, so they get into a fight uh, Will fights the guy and in, in, in the fight his hand gets slashed and he loses two fingers. Uh the pinky and ring finger on his right hand. Which we learn uh shortly hereafter once Will wins the fight, is that this happens to everyone who is supposed to bear the subtle knife. Uh you lose those two fingers, and it's a sign that the knife is supposed to be yours for a time, like so the old man uh, paradisi also didn't have those two fingers and he knew it was time to give it up when will lost his two fingers so he teaches will how to use the knife um and and telling him that it's important that he's the next knife bearer shows him how to cut through worlds tells him that it's very important um to close every window that he makes and so that happens um And because of this, because of them taking the knife, Paolo, uh, who wanted it to protect himself from Spectres, gets killed by Spectres. Paradisi kills himself before the Spectres could come. And uh, Will and Lyra decide to use the knife to go steal the uh, alethiometer back from Lord Boreal. But surprise, he brought Mrs. Coulter through the portal into into Will's world, so that she can get Lyra, bum, bum, bum. Uh, and the witches decide that they're they're gonna kind of be like the Magisterium can wait. Let's go help Lyra. So they also go through the big portal in the sky after killing a bunch of Magisterium people in a really cool way. Um, they also go through the portal to go find Lyra. Lyra in, in Chitagatsi And uh, the last, most recent episode we get is mostly new stuff. So, um, most of it is following Mrs. Coulter in, I guess, our Oxford or Will's Oxford. Uh, and she just kind of goes about things, trying to discover stuff. So she goes to see Mary. Um, she somehow learns to drive. <laughs> she does all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's a very... Mrs. Coulter heavy episode which is new because like in the book it's a surprise that Mrs. Coulter's there they go to steal the alethiometer back and she's just there so uh, it's interesting how they decided to set this up we also Mary uh, we also get to see Mary find out what her task is she's told that she's to play the serpent in the garden uh, and that she's to leave her world go through the window and protect the girl and the boy, um, who would be Will, Will and Lyra, and she's to play the serpent as Lyra is Eve, and then Will is supposed to be Adam, I guess. I don't know if they ever actually say Will's supposed to be Adam, but Lyra is the Eve in this story, and Mary is to be the serpent. Uh so that that all comes uh, comes around later in in the show uh particularly in season three i'm assuming when we'll get that and uh paolo's siblings find his like soul eaten body and they get mad at will and lyra because they realize that will and lyra uh stopped him from getting the knife and that they have it so they blame him for for their death and they say that we're gonna get you and then they leave Um, anyway (laughs) Uh, Will and Lyra go to try to steal the thing, the alethiometer but they get caught Lyra gets caught by Boreal uh, and Will kind of gets caught by Mrs. Coulter and they have a fight where Pan attacks Mrs. Coulter's uh, monkey and then they get away with the alethiometer and Mrs. Coulter kind of has like a, a brain thought that she's gonna go chase after them. Uh, Boreal tries to warn her about the specters, uh, but Mrs. Coulter has a plan to get around them. Uh, That plan, as we will learn, is to use. So in season one, uh, if you remember, if you watched it, she was cutting people's demons away from them. So children, adults, mostly children, but she was also doing it to some adults. Um, And she kind of, I guess, in this discussion, puts together that what the uh, specters are taking because they're only going after adults is they're taking their demons uh, and taking the demons kills. Like it's, it doesn't kill the people, but essentially leaves them like. Bleh. So she, if I remember correctly, she puts together like a, a like a task force or army of of these people that she cut and and they kind of like guard her as she goes into the world, uh, which we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure we're going to see in the next couple episodes. But anyways, yeah, the, other than that, there's, a, there's a lot of some, some really nice moments, um, that would have been more impactful if they made a bigger deal about it earlier. So like, there's a scene where, uh, Pan licks Will's, uh, wounded fingers, and like, lets him touch him. And that's a big like taboo. You're not supposed to touch other people's demons. Uh, because it's like very it's very personal it's like if you grabbed if you grab someone's butt um so but but more intense if you grab their butt like super intensely their butt um (laughs) and uh lyra's like hey pan what you doing uh and they tell will that like demons aren't supposed to be touched by other people yada yada we learn it's just cuz Pad wanted to. He wanted to help Will. So it was a nice nice little moment. He knew Will needed comfort and he decided to help. Uh we also get like a full like out like out in the open statement that uh Mrs. Coulter has learned how to separate herself from her demon like the witches have because she leaves the monkey uh in a bedroom and then just leaves uh and she goes to see Mary. Um, as I understand it, I think she still feels the pain because she, like, has this look on her face that she's going to cry the whole time. So I think she just has learned to ignore the pain rather than actually being able to separate. But I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, we've only got two episodes left of the season. I know there's still a lot of stuff to cover. So I, I guess they did kind of slow down a bit uh, because of the fact that these last two episodes are going to have to have a lot of stuff. Um... And I guess my theory about them getting into season three in this season might not happen. Like we might get into a little bit because um Mary is already in Chittagatsi at the end of this episode, and um she doesn't if my memory serves, she doesn't go over until the very end of the book. so there might be some time where they're gonna do a little bit of season three stuff in this season or book three, sorry. Uh, but for the most part, it's we might this might just be the full. Full book too, and I'm I'm here for it. Um, there's some real sad stuff that's gonna happen. I can tell you that, <laughs> particularly probably at the end of episode six and into seven. But yeah, we're all set up now uh, for what's to come in the in probably the epic final season, or if they decide to split it into two, which I think would be wise. The epic last two seasons. Will's got the knife. Lyra's got the alethiometer back. We know that Azrael has kind of uh, been put forth as the captain, I guess, or the leader of the side that is for freedom uh, against the magisterium. So we know there's a war coming. Lee is with John Perry, and they're going to find Lyra, and Lyra's with Will, so that's going to be interesting. Um, We know that the kids of Chittagatsi are out to get Will and Lyra, and... Whew. And we know that, uh, that Mrs. Coulter's coming to Chittagatsi as well. So it's gonna be gonna be interesting to see what happens there. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it very very much. So on to the Mandalorian, the fifth and sixth episode of the Mandalorian uh, of season two of the Mandalorian. Sorry, Are probably two of the best. Of the entire show most likely to the best of the entire show um the first episode that we're going to talk about is episode five and it's called the jedi uh in this episode we start immediately like right off the bat seeing ahsoka tano with her two white lightsabers uh right out of rebels um fighting some people and confronting like an imperial magistrate uh, morgan elsbeth who is played by the like goddaughter of Bruce Lee, which is pretty cool. Um, Ahsoka is trying to find out some information from her, and and she's given her one day to tell her. And it just so happens the Mandalorian shows up with the child on this planet at the same time, and the magistrate, not realizing that he's actually there to see Ahsoka, offers him a Beskar spear in exchange for finding Ahsoka and killing her. So he goes off to find her, And he does, and he's like, yo, Bo-Katan sent me. And uh, Ahsoka meets the child, and she talks to him through the Force, showing us that he can communicate. And we learn... We learn that his name is Grogu, and that he was raised and trained at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Uh, Once the Republic fell and Order 66 started, he was evacuated from the Jedi Temple, and he's been suppressing his powers ever since... I don't know if it's consciously or unconsciously, but it's it for like survival, um, and a lot of his memory and stuff is dark, and he has a lot of fear and anger inside of him, and he has a, a strong attachment to his dad, the Mandalorian. So Ahsoka refuses to train him, um, which is wild. Uh, <laughs> she she uses the example of Anakin to say no, but I feel like I feel like she would train him. Like in in previous can't like I guess we're missing a lot of stuff between rebels and this, so we don't know what else might have happened to her. But like I just feel like the um, the version of her we saw in rebels would probably have trained him so that he wouldn't go dark, rather than not training him out of fear that he would go dark. But uh, I'll wait and see what they're doing with it <laughs> before passing any other judgment. I mean, Dave Filoni wrote this episode. He directed this episode, uh, and he wrote everything she did in rebel so if he's saying it i i trust i trust the man and i will i will see what he does um, but anyways they make a deal that if he helps her get what she wants from elspeth that she'll train grogu uh which we ultimately see she doesn't agree to um she goes back on it even though even though mandalorian helps and uh the mandalorian gets the cool best car spear Anyways, uh, Ahsoka gives it to him, and we learn that what Ahsoka is looking for is Grand Admiral Thrawn. So many people uh, don't know who he is, (laughs) because they're not as deep into the Star Wars lore as as myself and as many others. Um, Grand Admiral Thrawn is a major, major Star Wars Legends character. Uh... He was essentially the emperor after Palpatine died. Um, he was high in the Imperial command, and then after the Emperor died, he kind of took control of all the remaining forces, uh, and essentially had like a big five-year fight against the rebels, who are now the, the New Republic. Um, he's ultimately beaten, but he comes back and he and he tries again, and he's kind of beaten again, but he he essentially did so well that the Empire, up until, like, they reset the canon in, in 2014 or whatever, um, the Empire still existed. They, they like, there was an Imperial Fragment that still existed and was accepted in, like, the world because they knew it, like, it wasn't going away, and that was all because of Thrawn. Uh, Thrawn is a Chiss, so he's blue, and he's got red eyes, and and stuff and and the reason why that's like so relevant and important is because uh, the Empire was very anti-alien like it was if you didn't look human or you weren't human we didn't really like you but he still made it so far up in the Empire being an an alien so that's why he was kind of really important Um, essentially when Disney bought Star Wars he was removed from canon but he was brought back into canon uh, in season three of the Star Wars Rebels show, and then he's been uh, reintroduced in canon in books, so Timothy Zahn, who wrote the original Tron books, was brought back in to write the new ones, so we got his origin in 2017 in a book called Thrawn, and then there was two more that followed that that I've not read yet. I own the second one, I just haven't read it. Uh, And then a new trilogy called Thrawn Ascendancy is coming out uh, this year, so... He's, he's back to not being no, he's not as important as he was but his importance is beginning to rise again so him being name dropped in the Mandalorian uh is very interesting and it also gives me hope that we're going to see Ezra at some point um because he was Thrawn is very much linked to Ezra in Rebels because they kind of like disappeared together um so there's hope like Ahsoka uh, essentially she says though that she will not train Grogu and she says go to Typhon and and sit him on a rock and let him reach out with the force and then if there's any Jedi's who are willing to train him they'll kind of show up Um, which a lot of people are hoping that it's uh, Luke I doubt it's going to be Luke Uh, it'd be cool if it was but I think there's... in what I would hope for is it'd be one of three people. Um, because if they just introduced someone new, I'd be a little upset. But uh, my first, and who I hope it is the most, is Ezra Bridger. Uh, I hope that he shows up at some point. Um, and he's the one who's going to teach Grogu the ways of the Force. And he just kind of travels along with him. I think that'd be dope. Second, uh, an appearance from Cal Kestis. He, the character from Fallen Order, I think, would be pretty cool. Um, and uh, Cameron Monaghan, I think his name is, the actor. You wouldn't even have to really age him up or anything. Like he could, ju- he could just play as an adult because it's only been it's been fifteen or eighteen years or whatever since um, since Fallen Order would have taken place. And I'm pretty sure they aged him down in that. So that's something. Then that Luke, obviously, like I don't think they would do it. But I would love it if they brought Luke in with Sebastian... Playing by Sebastian Stan. Um, I think that'd be incredible. I just would... I would be kind of dissatisfied if they introduced a brand new, like... Original Jedi character to be the one who kind of tries to teach Groku. If they even go that route at all. Like, maybe nothing will come of it. But... It'll be interesting. And that leads us into the next episode. uh, Episode 6. Where... The Mandalorian and Grogu go to Tython. And then uh, he puts them on the rock to start doing stuff. And then you hear something in the sky and you look. And what you see, everyone's expecting it to be Imperial ships. Because we learned that Imperial ships are tracking... Uh, what is it? The Razor Crest, I think it was called. The ship. Uh, his ship. But you look into the sky and it's Slave 1. Boba Fett's ship. And uh, it lands... Boba Fett comes out and he's like give me my armor I want my armor and, and Mandalorian's like nah and Boba Fett's like well okay well I got a sniper and Mandalorian's like well it's not gonna hurt me I got cool armor he's like well I'm, I'm aiming at uh, your little fella and we look up and we see the character from season one Fennec is uh, aiming her sniper at the little fella like Grogu who's got like a weird force force field thing going on around him but anyways, uh, Mandalorian's like, I'm not going to give you the armor. You're not Mandalorian. And Boba Fett just isn't like really bringing it up that he is. He's just like, it was my father's armor. I'm a simple man. Give me my armor. Uh, and then the Imperials show up, obviously, because, of course. <laughs> and we get a sick action scene where at first it's just uh, Boba with his like staff and Fennec taking on the Imperials. And then Boba sees his chance to go into the Razor Crest and get his armor, because it's just empty and and alone, and he disappears. And then it's Fennec and the Mandalorian taking on the Imperials, and when it seems like all hope is lost, Boba Fett, in full armor, comes out, and he just decimates the remaining Imperial people, taking them all out, blows up two ships with one rocket, like it's... It is chef's kiss. It is beautiful. Uh, (laughs) And from there, the um, episode gets a little sad. Well, they're busy fighting um, Grand Moff. Is he Grand Moff? Uh, Gideon uh, sends his new like super troops down, and they steal Grogu, and they kidnap Grogu. And there's nothing that they could do because um, the Mandalorian had taken off his jetpack in a deal with Boba Fett. like, like It's a ceasefire. And then, Boba Fett was in Slave 1, and and the Mandalorian's like, you can't shoot the guys, because you might hit Grogu, and, you know. So, Grogu gets taken, and Boba Fett is like, I'll help you get the kid. So, we're going to have a team-up of Boba Fett, the Mandalorian, Fennec, Bilber, probably, and then, um, also, uh, gina Chrono, and some other people most likely to go and, and save the kid who is now captive by gideon and, and gideon's preparing to use him for experiments and stuff again um i don't sound super thrilled this is just because i'm tired <laughs> but it was so good uh i'm so happy to see boba fett back in star wars lore um like thrawn he had a very extensive canon in star wars legends and uh, in 2014 when Disney bought it he was removed um, like you learn very quickly in Star Wars Legends that he survived that he got out of the Starlight pit for a long time he was going after Han Solo uh, they eventually like came to like an understanding um, and he went to Mandalore and he became the Mandalore like he ran the planet and um, and he was, like, getting them back into into things where they like, they were mining Beskar again. They were making armor. They were making ships. Like, Mandalore was thriving under Boba Fett. And then we um, meet his granddaughter. So just, yeah, we meet his, his granddaughter or his daughter. One of the two, I can't remember. And, like, it, it's just a lot of really cool stuff. And he even... He becomes the trainer of Jaina Solo, who is Han's daughter, uh, because Jaina has to go fight her brother darth Cadus, um and she knows if she goes and fights like a jedi she'll lose so she needs to learn how to fight like someone who kills jedi so she goes to boba fett um and it's it's a really great book it's called revelations uh star wars legacy of the force revelations and it's pretty much all based on mandalore for the most part and it is it's really good and i would recommend it but um (laughs) But yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to see him back because his his story was kind of cut short in the canon or in the legacy, sorry, uh, and then he had never been brought back into the canon uh, uh, to this point. Like his story still ended in the Sarlacc. So Mandalorian is finally what what brought it back, and that makes me very very happy. Um, but yeah, that that's those episodes uh, where we stand now. It's like Grogu's captured. Uh, the Mandalorian's putting a team together to go get him. He doesn't have a ship anymore because the the Imperials destroyed Razorcrest. Um, he's riding with Boba Fett and Slave One uh, with Fennec. They're going to, I guess, find Bill Burr, and then and we're on our way from there, and I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Um I don't know how many more episodes are left this season. Second season eight episodes, so there's going to be eight episodes, so it's gonna, we got two more after this one, and then the third season's already been confirmed, so that's pretty sick, um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it, this show has been, it's been really good, um, uh, like I said last time, I didn't really enjoy the first three episodes, uh, I didn't even really enjoy the fourth, like, two of them I strongly disliked, uh, I disliked ten, which was the the spider one, so episode 2, uh, chapter 10. And then I wasn't big on the first episode other than the Boba Fett stuff and seeing the armor. Episode 3 was incredible because we got Bo-Katan and uh, some more of the Mandalorian background. 12 is filler, but we also got some uh, hints at, at Snoke. Like, there was some Snoke dropping. There was some cloning dropping. Like, we get to see a little bit of what Gideon was up to. So it was good for the story. Uh... For me, I was kind of just like, let's just get to Ahsoka already. Come on. I knew we weren't going to get to her in the fourth episode because I saw the fourth episode was being directed by Carl Weathers and that the fifth was written and directed by Dave Filoni. So I knew Ahsoka was coming in five. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, if I I go back and watch it now, i probably like it a lot more. But at the time, I was like, let's just get to Ahsoka. Come on. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. I kind of just rambled for 45 minutes, so sorry. Uh, it's probably not a great episode, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. Um, Star Wars is kind of on the up again. Um, I, uh, Cause I, I, like, I like parts of the new trilogy quite a bit, like uh, the characters and stuff. The most part, I like the story, while not great. Like I was, I was okay with it for the most part, and I enjoy it. And I still like I can still watch. Like why? Like Force Awakens, I still think is great. Last Jedi, I don't, I don't really like. And, and Rise of Skywalker, I enjoyed more than Last Jedi, uh, and I liked a lot of the moments and the characters. But yeah. so like this, I'm glad that this like Clone Wars was so good. This is good. Rebels was fine. Like we're we're back on the more of an upswing with Star Wars and. and I'm looking forward to what else is, is coming but yeah hopefully the next episode will have matthew back um this next time i record with him i'm gonna try to bulk record <laughs> get two or three episodes out of him before he has to go back to work again and before before the birth of his child so um, hopefully we can do that and get and get those in the bank uh christmas is coming up so depending on the uh, how this coronavirus stuff turns out because where I'm living currently we're in an orange zone which means I don't I don't get to go anywhere or see anybody. but if we're out of that in time uh, episodes will probably be on the back burner while Christmas is happening. Um, so there might not be much unless I do some bulk recording um, before there might not be much until the new year so we'll see what we can do and hopefully get some stuff out because because I like to talk. I know no one really likes to listen but I like to talk. Anyways, uh, I used the new microphone for this. I tried setting it up in a different room; there wasn't as much noise. Um, don't really know how it's gonna how it's gonna come out. Hopefully, it's okay, and uh, and you know we'll go from there. All right, much love, peace and happiness, and all that. Best wishes, kisses, bye.